You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm John. And tonight we're going to be looking at the two Ultra Q episodes, Underground High Speed Express to the West and Balunga. We're looking at Underground High Speed Express to the West. First, at a rather futuristic looking Tokyo station, our cast of characters assemble. Yuri is there for the inaugural run of the Super Express to the West, a 450-kilometer-per-hour express train from Tokyo to Kikushu. Jun and Ipe are there on other business. Jun is picking up a case carrying the world's first artificial life form, dubbed M1. Transporting the world's first artificial life form. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> A life form that, if let out of its compressed cylinder, would grow into something unknown with the intelligence of a human. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Ipe, while there for June's business, is more interested in how to get on board the Super Express. He takes a camera case and pretends to be a photographer working with Yuri. Unfortunately, he grabbed the case with M1. (laughs) Ha ha, that's... What could go wrong? Also, a scrappy little shoeshine boy named Weasel and a friend sneak aboard the train, (laughs) pretending to be a full-sized human. The train departs. Luckily, Jun discovers the swap and notifies the train, which confiscates the case and puts it in their specially designed safe, but not before some reporters use flash photography on it, which apparently activates it, for soon M1 has come to life and taken its form, a giant gorilla-like thing, which monkeys around with the train, causing it to go out of control. The passengers are rescued when the train staff decouple the cars from the engine, but the engine, M1, and Weasel hurtle towards the end of the track at 600 kilometers per hour. When they crash, both are hurtled into Earth's orbit. The end. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. This is a weird one. Um, <laughs> a weird one? I think there's been multiple weird ones for the last couple episodes here. Well, yes, yes. I was just saying this. Is, so that's why I wasn't saying was this was a weirdy. This is a weird one. One of right, okay, the yes. weird ones. Yes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What did you think of uh, Underground High Speed Super Express? <laughs> Well, I'm never going to uh, get know, that title right, whatever it was. No, yeah. Underground Super Express Goes West, I think, is, is what it is. I don't know. I, yeah, I think it changes depending the trans- on, yeah, on the, the translation. translation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love the spike on the front of this train. Oh, yeah. It's got a spike. It's got, uh, it's got uh, uh, flame-equipped retro rocket type things. It's got <laughs> fins that pop out. Yeah, uh, and not like yeah. full down, but they actually like accordion out, like a an antenna on a radio. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, it's got everything, and it's got an AI inside of it. Uh, yes. One AI inside, and that plays yes. an important part in the rest of the episode. Um, yeah, all sorts of cool stuff. It's got this big, massive safe thing. 
Yeah, um, yeah, for transporting serums and other important, valuable uh, stuff. Right, yeah. which, yeah. you know, by building that safe, you're probably thinking, you know, this is going to crash. Let's build <laughs> something really, really strong. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was that was interesting. I mean, it, I I like the concept that the I, train has a dedicated spot for high speed for medical supplies <laughs> that need to be carried. Yeah, at high speed from one city to another because uh, you know that could happen. Organ transplants or things like that. So I mean, I like that concept. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the train was built by the uh, uh, Nakajima Safe Company of Tokyo, Japan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> they know safes yeah. really well. Trains, we we, yeah, okay. Nah, yeah, we've seen so a couple much. of them. Let's put some spikes and fins on this one. We'll be good. <laughs> I said so the second I saw it, I go four hundred kilometers an hour, and they thought a big sharp spike on the front was a good idea. <laughs> oh yeah, that's not going to have any problems. Nope. No, they just cut and right through the wind. Yeah. Oddly enough, it really had no um, impact on the story at all. No pun intended. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, it's not like it ran into Balunga at the end, or not Balunga, uh, M1, M1 and, and killed it or anything. No. <laughs> yeah, I like that it was uh, 400 and, 450 kilometers an hour, and like the fastest bullet train now is uh, like 360. Yeah. So, you know, it's definitely science fiction. Yes. Yeah. And it, yeah, the, I, the, the ones in mm-hmm. Taipei do 300, and they're Shinkansen, basically, yeah. the same trains. And I think the even faster ones are in China, right now. Uh, I think so. Maybe some places. Think in they're like the maglev short range like ones. Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. They do have one that goes ludicrously fast. Fast. It's just yeah. scary. Well, four hundred and fifty is ludicrously fast. That yeah. is uh, what two hundred and eighty miles per hour, roughly. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 booking. It's booking. Yeah. Although, I mean, let's. Let's say I've I've ridden on the Taiwan high speed rail and it's not underground most of the time and you're pushing 200 miles you are you are doing 300 kilometers per hour or 200 miles per hour practically sorry 300 kilometers per hour 200 miles per hour roughly speaking <laughs> and uh you'd never know yeah you would never know i mean it is so smooth and and quiet and nice so you know if they if they can build trains like that and they can make a 450 kilometer an hour one i'd take it oh yeah the, yeah i haven't ridden one yet much. but sure why not yeah the rockets are a bit much but uh odd that they were on the sides instead of the back well you know it's the engine so you know oh it's good a, point it's a tractor so you're gonna pull things good you're not point. gonna push that's stuff. right you'd have to yeah. come out around it on the sides yeah all right yeah. fair enough Fair enough. Well, they thought that through better than I did. <laughs> the Nakajima Safe Company is uh, world-renowned in uh, train viewing. Yes, they, yes. they've looked at trains. <laughs> We've seen some trains, and we thought, what would be the perfect train for one of our safes? <laughs> exactly. Something that goes really fast. Let's call it uh, Inazuma. You know, it's lightning in Japanese. We'll be fine. This is great. Yeah. And we got it. We yeah. got uh uh, Shiro's uh, AI over in the back there. Just throw it in there. It'll be great. It'll run the yeah. whole show. No problem. No yeah. problem. Just one. Well, let's take a look at the, the cast of yes. characters. So we've got Weasel. Ken the Weasel. Who is a snot-nosed 
Literally. Shoe shine boy. You know, I think I think we're getting I I have never understood this phrase, but I think maybe I'm beginning to get it. Snot nosed mm-hmm. kid. Yeah. Right? I, I've never really thought about that because yes, kids <laughs> get sniffles, and I've had kids. I I raised yes. a couple kids. I, I understand how it mm-hmm. is. They like everyone else get sniffles, but I've never really quite understood why the term snot nosed. But we asked this question a few episodes back when uh, at, the, at the underwater castle, the girl was constantly doing yeah. her nose. She was a snot-nosed kid. And, uh-huh. so, and the conversation that the guy is having with him about the kid being so – he's shinier than the shoes because his <laughs> nose is so snotty. Yep. Um, I think it just I, – I really do think that that is – must be some stereotype that we are – no longer a, a, acquainted with the reasoning behind, but but they're not saying the kids are. They're not actually saying they've got colds or anything. They're just saying all kids are snotty nosed. Yeah, is I think what they're doing. So it is a oh he's young, he's got a snotty nose. That's how we know they're young because you know everyone's short over there. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, how, they should have tipped off when he was walking too too tall on top of his friend in a trench coat. Right, the friend, the, uh, I, the, I, the the cook from the the restaurant or the bar or whatever it was. Yeah. Oh, is that who that was? I never could figure out who yeah. that guy was, where he came from. He was the one yep. that drank Ipe's coffee. I, I, uh, is it June's or Ipe's? One of them, probably Ipe. It was Ipe's coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah drank his coffee. That's right. Okay, mm-hmm. I was wondering where he came from because the weasel was with the little boy who was brushing the clothes up, right? And, and then Shaking suddenly that kid customers. got left. So yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they were hustlers in the train station. They were yep. They were shaking down the customers and uh, yeah. Ido Ido Koko, uh, children of Tokyo, I guess. I guess the yep. same thing as saying you're from Brooklyn or New York. I guess yeah. Very tough little exactly blighters. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> scrappy and uh, resourceful, and yeah. Mm-hmm. So yes, he wants to get on the train just because he's an Edoko, and uh, so he and the guy, the other one, mm-hmm. they stand on each other's shoulders. Well, one stands on the other's shoulders, yeah, and the kids wear on a the adult coat. shoulders. I I wish I was kidding you, and uh, pretend to be an adult, uh, seven foot tall Japanese gentleman, and it works. Yep. Till they fall over. It, yeah. Actually, the first time they fall over, it didn't, it still worked. Yeah. Yeah, the, they didn't on separate. The stairs, I think the woman just thought she was broken. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and I don't know, probably ran away or something. Screw yeah. Me. Kaiju so, and ran off. <laughs> yes. Um, but, you know, getting blasted into orbit couldn't have happened to a nicer kid. <laughs> He'll be fine. He'll be fine. He's got the safe. Anyway, yeah. we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'll he'll meet up with M one eventually, and they'll. Mm. Yeah, I actually I have talk more about info seagulls. on M one. Yes, I have more info on M one. So, um, <laughs> he's just there because at the end he's trapped in the train engine with M one, and this is the dilemma. Uh, they're trying to save the boy's life because the train is hurtling out of control towards the stop and and not a pleasant stop. We're talking about the emergency hit it and try to prevent it from crashing into the 
oil fields immediately at the end of the train line. Yeah. When building the end of a train line or any part of a train line, make sure that there's a refinery at the uh-huh. end. Lots of tanks yeah. of high explosive, who tanks knows what. Just stick them there, you mm-hmm. know, because there's nothing better for absorbing energy, you know, massive amounts of kinetic energy than 100,000 gallons of highly refined petroleum. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so they're, bar- <laughs> they're barreling towards this thing. And Jun is in the control room because, you know, it's Jun. And uh, he's, he's like, uh, what's going to happen? Well, they've got an 80% chance of surviving. He's like, well, <laughs> can you think of something to give them better than an 80% chance of surviving? <laughs> and... And somehow they, the, the scientist is there too. And somehow they have this discussion. It's like, well, if we save the boy, we might kill the artificial life form. Would that be mm-hmm. okay? <laughs> and, <laughs> and he's like, I can make another artificial life form. Yeah, but, oh, but, you know, I can't recreate the kids. So, uh, <laughs> you know, who he is thinking, hmm, yet. <laughs> yeah. Next week, I, maybe I can come up with the kid. I'm not sure, but give me some more funding. I. I love the fact that they created the the world's first artificial life form. Yeah. That they gave it roughly the equivalence of a human being, and yet mm-hmm. they keep it compressed inside a little cylinder. And they say, "Well, if we let it out of the cylinder, it would start growing until it into whatever it is." He goes, "Well, what will it grow into?" And he's like, "I don't know. <laughs> we've we've <laughs> never let it do that before." <laughs> You're not like, huh. "You made this." Yeah, exactly. What the heck? <laughs> what kind of logic is that? And so he's hiring Jun to fly it somewhere. Yes. And Jun's like, yeah, sure. We have jet service. Except yeah, Jet I seems to that. be working at the TWA bench there. That was the weird. It's like, okay, he's, he's at a travel agency. And he's accepting a, a cargo shipment. And they have jets now. Okay. Interesting. That's yeah. Different from the other episodes. Exactly. The other thing that's different is, you know, in one of the earlier episodes, we saw a Tokyo station. Mm hmm. Remember? And it uh, was. Yeah. It was Tokyo station. Yeah, it was Tokyo station. Exactly. I think it was the. Yeah. yeah the big this one downtown. was not really Tokyo station. No, no, this was something else. No, this was a totally Jetsons looking thing. Yeah, shiny. Except for the flying cars. And uh, it had a World Fair looking kind of thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it did. I thought that was an interesting choice. Yep. I did notice that when, when the incredibly boring station manager was uh, giving <laughs> his dissertation on the, uh, the JFOME uh, device and whatnot right. as they were going down the or escalator. Or is it J-O-F-M-E? Uh, who knows? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Even they uh, don't. When they're going down the escalator, you see all the the shiny decorations and stuff like that. Like they've got the whole place decked out for the new train. Yeah. Over in the lower right, yeah. for a second, you see Merry Christmas on the side of one of the walls. So they shot this at Christmas time. Ah. <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> or maybe this is just supposed to be Christmas time. Maybe. You know, maybe. I think it's really interesting that they gave that whole... yeah. They gave that whole J-F-O-M-E, J-O-F-M-E, uh-huh. J-O-F-M-E thing. 
And it was obviously a joke because he doesn't remember which. It, I, and I, I'm going to say right now, got me, right? He got me. He's like, he says, it's J-F-O-M-E and all the reporters, because it's all reporters, mm-hmm. right? They all write down J-F-O-M-E, expecting him to explain what that is. Right. And you know what? I wrote it down, too, because I was taking my notes. Exactly. I did, too. And then he goes, no, no, sorry, it's J-O-F-M-E. And they all start scratching it out, and I start backspacing it up and J-O-F-M-E. And then I type that in, and he goes, no, no, mm-hmm. no, no, maybe it is J-F-O-M-E. And suddenly it hit me. I said, there is something that they never thought would ever happen 50 yeah. years on they caught somebody doing exactly what they freaking doing in this story yep yep <laughs> they got me they got me good <laughs> uh, the uh, production time is november and december of 1965 so those were definitely christmas ornaments decorations out on the okay the, uh, fair enough the mall they were in <laughs> fair enough <laughs> fair good Good use of uh, location for them. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Oh, but the thing is, he never actually got to explain what any of the letters were for, for, was it? Nope. Did he? Nope. Yeah. That was just to annoy the reporters and have the, 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 yeah, it was. Yep. Or for that matter, what the, for what that thing, what it does. Um, Was that supposed to be the AI? Yeah, that was the AI that runs it. The thing in the dome with the plates and the high-voltage spark. And a coil, yeah. And a coil, yeah, yeah. It moved a little bit. Yep, that's the AI. And hats off to him for actually using AI back in the 60s. Yeah, I'm wondering if they didn't use AI and that was a, the, the modern translation. translation. It could be. Yeah, you know. I mean, I didn't hear AI. True, and true. so whatever it was, was something in Japanese, like... I don't know, smart computer or something. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I guess this leads us. So, Ipe, you know, he gets, Yuri has nothing to do in this practically. Yep. She's just sitting on the train. Uh, Ipe basically is just there to get the thing on the train. And then uh, with very good efficiency, the train people just take it away from him. Mm-hmm. And then that's mostly all he's got on the yeah on the thing so i kind of like that the uh the we didn't see the discussion between the uh the guy at mission control talking to the people on the train telling them that they had to go get the case they just kind of left it out there and then it happened it's like good good you know they actually saved time on that when we knew it was going to go on so yeah good yeah that was i i was that a lot of good it did but but <laughs> yeah Apparently, photography is a bad thing when it comes to artificial life forms. Yeah, apparently, yeah. Uh, so I wonder I if that means that M1 is plant-based. Well, I'll, if, you, if there's nothing else on the episode itself, I'll oh, go into uh, just a little bit on M1. But go ahead. I did find a little bit of trivia about uh, what he said, I am Seagull, at the end. I looked all over for that. Yeah, is apparently it, it was, something to do with satellites. It's, it's a reference from cosmonaut Valentina Tereshkova as she viewed the Earth from space during her Vostok 6 space flight, uh, first woman in orbit. And apparently she okay. did say, like, I am a seagull or something to that effect. I could not find that quote, but uh, I was a little pressed for time. So all I no, kept seeing was references to Chekhov. Um, so, <laughs> Chekhov seagull? So it was Chekhov I... seagull. Yeah. 
<laughs> Apparently so. Yeah. So if it's not, it wasn't really exactly clear in my recap. So I, I, I will explicitly explain this to you now, listeners. Um, the train is hurtling into the station. The boy climbs into the safe. And M1 apparently climbs up on top of the train. <laughs> and he's riding it at the last moment on top of the train as it collides into the stop, which then gets shoved into the oil refinery. <laughs> and then, you know, blows up. And, and both M1 and the safe are literally blown into orbit. Not figuratively blown into orbit, literally blown into orbit where the boy opens the safe looking out on the stars and the earth below and does not die nor yeah. does m1 who is orbiting the planet so there you go that that is actually the ending of this we can't call it science fiction this fantasy <laughs> story <laughs> yeah it switched over to uh, fantasy pretty quick there. It it really did. I mean, I thought this was, you know, I, this this could have been good. I mean, apart from the weasel kid, uh, mm -hmm. bizarre alien or engineered life form terrorizing a train. Yep. Not goofy monkey alien or goofy monkey life form breaking things in the engine and causing it to go kaboom. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I found the quote by the way. Uh, apparently, Seagull okay. was the name of her craft, was her call sign. So she said, it is I, Seagull. Everything is fine. I see the horizon. Sky is blue with a dark strip. How beautiful Earth is. Everything is going well. So that's interesting. It's a nice little uh, uh, nod to that. So it would have been hmm. uh, two, hmm. three, two years prior to this episode. So kind of cool. That's, that's kind of so, surprising that they would catch one. You'd think it would be something very, very famous contemporary at that moment. When they were filming it. Yeah, it I don't like know why. It's but... like, it's in the now. Yeah. Two years back. Because I've never heard that quote before. I mean, I've heard a bunch of space quotes in my life, but that's not one of the ones that has endured. Yeah, I, I hadn't either. But it could so... also be because they're Japanese and not Americans. And Americans yeah. would probably not uh, want to immortalize words yeah, of it... Russians. Exactly. Exactly. You know, downplay their downplay yep. their stuff in our. I will say that the uh, the train did look like some Soviet uh, futuristic art I've seen. It, it had a lot of the same shapes. Mm. <clears throat> they like those pointy nose spires. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It did have a kind so of Soviet uh, look to it, didn't it? Yeah. It's kind of hard to put my finger on it but yeah it, it had that kind of yeah it's, a, it's uh, an aesthetic a streamlined yeah. utilitarian of the people vehicle yes there you go <laughs> so so tell us about m1 m1 now oddly enough uh, you know th there's an awful lot of ultra series over the years and not too long ago and again this is the this is the plug for poor, the poor guys at mill creek who are doing a fantastic job putting these discs out mm -hmm. blu-rays Beautiful. I mean, really, really nice stuff. Um, one of the series out is Ultraman X. It's from the 2010s somewhere. One of the episodes, M1 appears out of nowhere. Oh. He's a 
literally a giant gorilla looking thing looks just like this one only not quite as bad <laughs> he is floating in orbit around earth <laughs> looking down on the planet the whole time and he has obtained superior mental faculties by being in space and he actually gives his background to Ultraman X. He says, I was an artificially created life form cast adrift in space. Oh, wow. And now I'm going to have my revenge on mankind. And, uh... <laughs> wow. It's like, okay, that's a... That is a weird... That is a really, really weird backstory. And I just <laughs> didn't even think anything about it. But the second I saw him, I'm going like... Oh, how would he be getting into space? <laughs> like now he I went know. to it by train. <laughs> and not like Galactic Express 666 either. I'd like to pit this train against Super Train. Oh, I would too. That would be awesome. And then right next to it would be uh, uh, Super Bus. Super Bus, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh guy man! Got, these guys got there first. These guys got there yes. first. Um, yes. I also guess apparently uh, uh, M1 is going to make an appearance soon in Ultraman Z. That's the current. Uh, oh really? Ultraman series. So he'll wow. be turning up soon, which will be, be about the... the fifth Ultra Q monster that's shown <laughs> up in in Ultraman Z. So obviously, this is some sort of a flashback to to Ultra Q for some reason. Some sort of homage, but I don't know why yet. Do you but, think that? Uh, uh, do you think he's going to be like human sized, or is he going to be like giant sized? I don't know. In in X, he was giant sized. He was giant kaiju sized. So. Oh, okay. So he's probably going to be the same size as is that, not Ultra Q, human size. Yeah, not no. But you know, he's grown a lot since then. <laughs> so could, could, yeah, could he's had plenty that. to eat. He got space. smarter. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe he made friends with the flashbulbs. Yes. Uh, exactly. Crossing the timeline there. Crossing the timeline. <laughs> he's he's actually a photovore, and that's why the light caused him to uh, to. Uh, yeah. The flash got him going. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's actually uh, he photosynthesizes or something. Well, why not? You know, if you're going to make an artificial life form, I think I'd go for photosynthesis. That's a lot easier than having him eat things like your lab assistant. Sure stuff so yeah exactly yeah yeah keep him away from that tempting <laughs> well, lab assistant speaking of balunga <laughs> yes let's turn our attention to episode 11 balunga <laughs> mm -hmm. all right synopsis and if you thought the last one was confusing <laughs> spacecraft saturn one returns to earth with its sole astronaut on board but at the critical re-entry stage, it encounters a strange balloon in space and runs out of fuel. Mm. The ship crashes to Earth. Later, Jun and Yuri, returning from an assignment, detour over the crash site, where they spy an old man with a red balloon just before they run out of gas and just manage to glide back to base. Ipe inspecting the plane, finds a small balloon lodged in the radiator. They take it into Tokyo for scientists to look over, but on the way, the car runs out of gas, and the balloon grows, 
floating the car off and then finally bursting the car from the inside. The falling parts hit Ipe and critically wound him as he tries to protect Yuri. Balunga, as it is soon named, sucks the power out of everything and Tokyo must go powerless, leaving Ipe in desperate need of surgery in a bad way. Jun learns of a man, Professor Naramaru, who claimed 20 years ago to have found a balunga and killed it. Yuri sets out to find him and actually just bumps into him on the street. He's the man who was holding the balloon. A typhoon is coming and balunga sucks all the power out of the typhoon. But Naramaru had a plan and has sent Jun to get it executed, which he does, having the military launch a nuke into space and detonating it in Earth's orbit. Balunga takes to the skies to eat the artificial sun, and then proceeds off into space to eat our sun. Problem solved. <laughs> it's called Naramaru the can. reveals he was the father of the astronaut who was killed. <laughs> it's like, convenient. Okay. <laughs> this one also quite, quite, um, let's say philosophical. Let's go with philosophical. Yeah, there you um, go. I'll say one thing uh, about Ultra Q. Yeah. It's quite a ride. Yes. <laughs> I'm still amused by the fact that, that Ipe getting hit by one piece of car shrapnel. And it's not really shrapnel. I mean, it's just a bit of the car has fallen on him. Right. And not that very big of a piece. That he has to go into surgery three times, and they have to be done three separate surgeries done, or else uh, he's going to die. I mean, what <laughs> the heck kind of injury could that be? A spine or something? I, I don't know. Mean, um, really? Yeah, I I'm not quite sure what that was. It was hit on the the uh, the upper back on the right side, I believe. Looked like it might have been Maybe. a bit of a bumper. Yeah, yeah. Some sort of an impact, and maybe it broke some ribs. Uh, maybe it caused some lung damage. I don't know, but that many operations. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I could kind of see it. Not not trying to make light of poor Ipe's plight here. I mean, it's possible, for example, to have a really badly broken bone that requires multiple surgeries if it's at a joint or something because they have yeah. to. They have to shore it up, and then they have to go in and do something else later, and then they have to go out and do this. But these are not life-threatening. We have to do these three sequential operations, or he's going to die kind of thing. Three sequential operations. You might be crippled for life or something, but it just it does seem awfully weird. And very convenient that, you know, he gets the first surgery, but then Balunga sucks all the power out of Tokyo, and, mm-hmm. uh, and he's too critical to be moved, so he's going to die. Poor guy. <laughs> yep. Jeez. Anyway. Just as he was learning how to fly, too. Wow. I know. Just just the other day, he was learning the whole flying thing, and now, boom, killed by mm-hmm. a falling car. <laughs> yep, boy. <laughs> and a balloon. Yeah, dropped, by, dropped on him by a balloon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, let's, let's take a look at the beginning. The Saturn One spacecraft returning to Earth with its... Most worthless astronaut <laughs> I ever. Say, I have a note here saying, Pilot looks like he has no clue what he's doing. Apparently that was true. Exactly. I, you know, I think a monkey yes. could have done a better job. 
he he was sleeping fitfully. He was like, uh, he seemed surprised. Well, obviously they woke him up from a nap. Like when, he didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And then, you know, and he goes, well, he's got to do the important fire the retros. And he turns the big spigot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> the knife valve or whatever it was. And, uh, oh, no, there's no fuel. Because that's, that's it. And then, because uh, Belunga, which is nearby. And he looks out and he sees a thing which looks... I don't know, kind of like a piece of what would you say it looked like? A bad leather, or uh, or maybe a, 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 a kind of a pile a piece of, of seaweed of, leaf or something. Yeah, like a uh, uh, a large black blanket that's been dropped in the water, and it's kind of floating. Yet it's pretty much sunk, and the edges are all kind of undulating in and out. Yeah, just and upon kind of seeing that, mass. he says, "I see a balloon." <laughs> Yeah, and apparently that was the last thing he ever said. And that was it. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, conveniently, at some point when he was a child, he wanted a balloon too. I think his father said that, because when he, he tells June and, uh, uh, I want to say Yuri. Yuri, yeah. Yeah, about his son saying that... Uh, he wanted a. He said that uh, he wanted a balloon right before he died, and kind of chuckled at it, and then he like let the balloon go that he was holding. So I think it was that didn't misunderstanding yeah. apparently. Even though he was listening to that tape of the radio transmissions over and over again. Yeah, and so he carries around a red balloon. Right. Yeah, Clearly, no, no. his I don't entire family's been shamed because, you know, I'm sure his. His, his son's bosses thought he was gone nuts and caused the craft to be destroyed. That could be. And they say, look at his dad. His dad published a scientific paper 20 years ago saying that he had uh, captured a balloon creature on a meteorite and destroyed it before it wiped out the world. So he's obviously a crackpot. Exactly. Yeah. No evidence. It's a... Yep. No, none whatsoever. Because he killed it. So uh-huh. it's it's dead and gone. Not that he ever tells us how he killed it. I would have liked to have which, known that. Which, you know, might have been, yeah, that might have been a handy thing for them to, to talk about. Yeah, it probably wasn't harsh words. Probably not. Probably Maybe not. Maybe it was a yeah. large pin. You know, I don't know. So, <laughs> I I mean, it it's a sort of interesting threat, right? I mean, it, the reason I say it's kind of philosophical is because, you know, when they finally catch up with the old man, who I really, seriously, she did, she was looking for him for a long time, checking his old addresses, going to his mm-hmm. old employers and all this stuff, could not find the man, and then quite literally gets knocked over by him in a crowd in Tokyo. Well, she, the two of them get knocked over together. Right, right. Crowd. She helps him out. And, and she doesn't know that's who it is. Right. Because she doesn't know what he looks like. So then they, you know, go their own way and... And then she finally figures out that guy must have been, must have been him. It's like, why did they write that that way? I don't understand yeah, what it, the purpose of that was. And then she, so she has to go find him again mm-hmm. because now that they know he's out there, they gotta, they gotta find him to save Ipe. I, I really genuinely don't know what's going on there. It, it, it just such a, a weird 
a weird way of structuring that. Wouldn't it have made more sense to have Yuri actually find him? Yeah. She's a reporter. That's or, her job. Uh, you know? Right. And they still could have written it in such a way that, you know, that there still could have been a crowd if they would have wanted that. You know, it would have been too hard to uh, finesse the story. So that worked out. But yeah, that was kind of weird. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, Tokyo has a couple million people in it. And she just happens to run into the guy. But. Right. Yeah. But we just happened to bump yeah. into that guy and. Uh, mm-hmm all staring at the balloon but you know he, he's talking about how it's it's god's warning and how you know look how quiet it is here in tokyo and uh, the crazy cities had to slow down and and then in the next breath he's like it's like a typhoon's coming except that it's not like a typhoon's coming it is that a typhoon is coming yeah i thought that's and a really nasty one okay. too yeah yeah i thought he was compared i mean i have uh, I, here's another one i have been I've been in Taiwan when a typhoon came through mm-hmm. and there is a sort of weird weirdness in the air beforehand. Yeah. It's that um, sudden low pressure drop. Apparently it's it, it makes much hotter. Weird. It's clear. It's yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's, it is a, and I, you know, I said that I think to my wife, not one, well, I knew the typhoon was coming, but I didn't really think about it. And, you know, I said, how the weather? And she was, Oh yeah, it's like this before a typhoon. So, I mean, when he said, it's like a typhoon's coming. Like, okay, I think he's just referring to the quiet and the the, the, oh, yeah, the yeah. calm before the storm. And the, yeah. uh, that's what I thought he meant. Not there's actually a typhoon coming. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, in the next scene there is. Yep. Except, except June runs into the hospital where all the people are waiting for their surgeries to not be performed because the power's out. And he's like... Don't worry, typhoon coming. It'll blow Belunga away. And huh. and scientist guy goes, like, no, it won't. <laughs> it's like, it's thinking, that's hope. what that is. Yeah. Scientists don't need to rely on, what, what was his line? Scientists uh, do not rely on consolation. There you go, yes. And that's when she put yeah. two and two together and got scientist. Yep. Wait, you're a neuromore? <laughs> like, why, well, yes, yeah, I am. Turns out I am. Yeah. And then later, coincidentally, I'm the father of the guy who was killed on the spacecraft. <laughs> mm-hmm. What? Yeah, it's quite the quinky-dink there. Mm-hmm. I am suitably impressed with Jun, though. Why is that? I am impressed. Because there are not many people I know who can leave Tokyo on a bicycle and get them to detonate a nuke in orbit. Oh, yeah. He's very persuasive. In just a few Holy hours. Cow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That was... Uh, and when the sa- you know when they say the satellite launched a missile and it created an artificial sun, I'm going. Do they mean they just detonated an orbital nuke? Yes, from the U- UN space platform. Yeah, space station. But yeah, it's the UN station has nukes. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. That kind of fits with some uh-huh. sci-fi from back then. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that seems oh, like a drastic one. So. It- and then he's like, yeah, it'll go off there into the, it'll go into space soon. So don't worry about it. And then the nuke goes off and it goes off into space. And then they're like, but, but won't it come back when it's eaten all of the nuke? He's like, no, then it'll see the sun. And that's what it really wants. So it'll go there and it'll eat the sun, but the sun yeah. will eat it. And so there we go. All, all will be good. And I'm thinking, well, why do you know that the sun isn't going to destroy? It is going to destroy it. Oh, and it's not yeah. going to destroy the sun. I'm not satisfied with the ending. <laughs> no, no. And who knows? Maybe when it gets to the sun, it 
it finds another Belunga that got there first. That just looks like our sun. Yeah. yeah and then what's going to happen? Where are the suns? Ugh. Yeah. That is actually what they say in the closing narration. Next time you go mm-hmm. out and look at the sun tomorrow, may, how do you know that's not Belunga? Yep. I wouldn't know because I'm not going to go looking at the sun. So um, there you go. I, I think we have uh, uh, run these out. Yes. I think, <clears throat> I think Belunga has shown up in one of the later Ultraman as well. I think it was an orb, um, but hmm. uh, I kind of don't remember it. And I like orb. Orb is one of the best ones. But, uh, yeah. But Belunga is not really a particularly great villain. <laughs> it's, well, it's very it's quiet. Kinda... And, you know, it yeah. just it's, yeah. sits Part there. Part the typhoon. It looms very well. It's very good at yes, that. Yes, it, it does loom. It's know. very good at looming, I will say. It's quite loomy. Did you see how bad that typhoon was when it was rocking the... The harbor, oh yeah, and the boat was a nasty. One. I mean, holy cow! Wow, it that busted was, everything. That was a category twelve. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was not uh, all right. Uh, you are correct. Uh, Ultraman Orb Chronicle uh, Chapter Three. Apparently, Orb Chronicle uh, Belunga showed up in that. Oh, maybe that's where I saw it. The Orb Chronicle is not as good as Ultraman Orb. Just in case anybody's looking for an Ultraman to watch, I recommend Orb, Orb Origins, and Orb Chronicle. They're okay, but Orb. Orb is the way to go. Well, I think that's just about all we can do on Belunga. Am I right? Yes, I I think so, yep. All right, so we'll close it off here. John, thank you for joining me. Oh, you're very welcome. It was very enjoyable. And listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. There are over 500 previous episodes available at FusionPatrol.com. Come join the conversation on Twitter, our website, or Facebook. Find out how you can become a supporter at Patreon.com slash Fusion Patrol. Supporters get early access to all regular episodes, bonus episodes, and more. There's even an optional podcast series where we're looking at the classic TV series Babylon 5. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.